Happy Wednesday night to you, church family. I want to ask you to get your Bibles out and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We want to talk this evening about a ministry of comfort. And I'm going to take a, a different angle a time or two throughout this text because uh, there's another way that I want to encourage you uh, to use it as you minister uh, to people during this time. So again, go ahead and find 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and we'll read the text in a moment. But first of all, let me remind you about the funeral coming up Saturday. Claude Oxford's funeral will be here in the sanctuary of Pitts Baptist, visitation starting at 10, uh, and then the funeral service at 11. And then the next day, we're excited about our outdoor service. Uh, continue to watch for updates on that. Weather updates, it does look like we'll be able uh, to go through with that. But still, watch the updates just in case. Storms roll in and we have to make a change in, in plans. Um, but let's go to the Lord tonight in prayer. Can we do that? Father, I pray that you would open our minds and hearts to your word. And Lord, that daily you would help us to renew our love for you, for your word, and for one another. We continue to pray for the challenges that churches all around us are facing during these days. Lord, we pray for the online efforts that there will be people reached that otherwise would not be reached. So use this time, Lord, we stand upon your promise in Romans 8, 28, that you are the God who uses all things uh, together for the good of those who love you. And so use this time to bring fruit for your honor and glory. And Lord, help each of us to be ready to minister to those around us who have continuing needs. We pray for the Oxford family for your comfort upon Ricky and Chuck and their families. And Lord, we pray that you'd use the service on Saturday to uh, just rivet home in people's minds and hearts the truth of the gospel and the wonderful promises that we have in Jesus Christ. We pray for the weekend service, the outdoor service, that it would be a time of celebration as we gather together outdoors. And Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before we read our passage tonight, let me point out a few things. My guess is that right now, some of you know people who have lost jobs or they have experienced some type of despair uh, through this whole virus situation. Uh, I mentioned to you Sunday that you and I have to accept personal responsibility for the Great Commission. And you know, that was always the intent from the beginning, that as we go, each of us who follow Christ, as we go, we are to make disciples. Obviously, there's a corporate in, uh, implication in that, but also an individual implication in that. Let me make a suggestion tonight. If there are people that you are witnessing to right now, use a passage like 2 Corinthians chapter 1 as a way 
to launch into a gospel presentation. You know, if we jump right into a gospel presentation with something like the Roman road, the person may not listen. But if we can talk about ways that God can work in their life, we might find an open door to keep going in the conversation and share the gospel with them. And so what I'm suggesting to you tonight is that there are passages in the Bible like this one that you might have even greater success with in sharing the gospel than with some of the passages that we typically think of. Now, granted, what I'm going to share with you tonight presupposes that you do have a few moments to sit down and speak to someone. This is not a passage where you could really do a drive-by witnessing uh, type opportunity. I've had the opportunity to sit before in a house and, you know, start talking about some Bible passages and, and what they mean. And you can tell within just a matter of moments someone's interest level. I think of one situation I was in when I started talking uh, to the ladies there and instantly the mother started tearing up and she wanted to hear more. Uh, she wanted to talk and we ended up transfer, transferring over our Bible talk into a talk of sharing the gospel and what it means to become a Christian. And before we left that evening, we had the opportunity to lead that mother to faith in Christ. This is the type of passage that you could use that way with someone who's really troubled by all that they see going on in the world today. Maybe you want to share how God comfort, comforted you at a trying time in your life and that you're confident that God can work the same way in their life. And then say, can I read for you what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1 about how God calms our fears and our uncertainties and helps us in difficult times and then sort of go from there. Let me help you tonight with some things that Paul said he had learned from God and how you and I can learn these very same lessons and how we can use them in sharing the gospel. Now, again, I'm going to say far more tonight than you'll be able to say in a conversation. I want you to understand that. And tonight, it's going to be twofold. We're going to do a study on 2 Corinthians once because I want to give Christians something to chew on and something to be comforted by also. But secondly, I want to encourage you to write down some of these points in our study and, and use them as a witnessing tool. And so write some of these things down and then use them even if you have to scale it down a bit. In a conversation, you could hit some of the high spots that we're going to go over tonight. What I'm suggesting to you is that there are ways to use passages in a witnessing opportunity, again, that we normally don't associate with witnessing opportunities. But there are some real jewels in the New Testament that lend themselves to that, and I think this is one of the best ones just because of the subject matter of what it deals with. And so get your Bibles and begin reading with me in verse 
3. Notice what Paul says there. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we uh, we suffer. And our hope for you is firm. Because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. You know, one of the great denominators of human life, of human existence, is that we all experience pain and trials and hardships from time to time. All you need to do to experience that in life is simply live long enough. I'm not sure why some Christians embrace the faulty idea that if someone comes to faith in Christ, all of their problems are are going to be erased in life. Uh, That's certainly not a principle that we find anywhere in the Bible. You know, in King Solomon's despair, he said in Ecclesiastes, Lord, the child who dies in his mother's womb and never sees daylight is better off than we are. Now, that's a very pessimistic view of life, and hopefully you don't feel that way. But we know what Solomon is trying to express. He's simply trying to say, life can be difficult. And the longer you live, the longer you understand that. Life can be filled with suffering, with hardships, with pains. Uh, with so many trials, and those trials come in different forms and shapes. Maybe you've asked before or have heard people ask the question before, God, where are you? Do you not see what I'm up against? Do you not see what I'm experiencing? Do you not care? Well, Scripture tells us that he does see. He does hear, and he does care. You know, the the Apostle James, James said that we are to seek wisdom from God. And Paul says that we're to count on God to give us comfort. Those are two things we certainly need in suffering. We need wisdom and we need comfort. And so tonight I want us to look at what Scripture says about comfort from God. 
And this text points out that in God, we have that comfort. But more importantly, we have God himself. He is the comforter. So tonight, I want you to write down, and again, uh, as you converse with someone, just kind of stop right here and say, look at what the Apostle Paul is affirming here in verse 3. The Apostle is assuring us in trying times, difficult times, God is able to provide a peace and a comfort that we will never find in the world. And so point number one, you could share, when you suffer, you can have confidence in God as the source of comfort. You know, Paul himself had been through a great deal in his life, as we'll see later in the text. He'd, he'd been through a lot in, in general and specifically as well at Corinth. We'll look at what Paul does here. He begins with a doxology. In most of Paul's letters, he begins with words of commendation to the church, but he doesn't do that here. Sadly, there wasn't a lot to be thankful for when he thought about the Corinthian congregation. They were sort of his problem child, if you will. But what he does do is he begins with a doxology. Now, by the way, there's only three times we find the phrase in the New Testament, blessed be, that phrase that we see here in verse 3. We find it again in Ephesians 1, verse 3. We find it in 1 Peter 1, verse 3, and then again here. In Ephesians 1, Paul is singing a doxology to God for what he's done in the past in securing our salvation. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Peter is singing a doxology to God for what God will do in the future with our future inheritance. Well, here, Paul is singing a doxology to God for what he is doing now in the present, the time between the past and the future. What does God do? Well, Paul says here, he comforts us. God secured our salvation in the past. He's preparing a future consummation for us. But in the meantime, he is with us and he comforts us. You know, many things are said about God in the Bible. God is the creator. He's the sustainer of life. He's the judge of all the earth. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He sent his son, who's the savior of the world. Jesus is Lord. God is the everlasting father. He's the prince of peace. He's the wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God. He's our shepherd. He's a refuge and a strength. He's the God who provides. He's our light and our salvation. So many things that the scripture says about God. And we learn in Scripture about the wonderful attributes of God. And some of those attributes he shares with us, some of them he doesn't. Uh, things that belong to him exclusively. That would be things like his omniscience, his omnipotence, his omnipresence. Those would be the incommunicable attributes of God. But God is also our comforter. Now, the Greek word for comfort here is not the soft and benign type word that we think of in English. 
Instead, it's a very powerful word of someone coming alongside to help, to give strength, to give encouragement. It's also the word that Jesus used of the Holy Spirit. God is our comforter. Paul goes on in this doxology to say that he is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In our worst predicament, our lost condition, what did God do? He sent his Son. He's also the Father of mercies. Now, to the Jewish mindset, to say the Father of means that you are the originator of. For instance... Jesus referred to Satan as the father of lies, the originator of lies. But God, on the other hand, is the father of mercies, the originator of mercies. There had to be a creator, an intelligent designer with purpose. That's God. He's the originator. He's the first cause as some philosophers talk about, but he's also the originator of mercy. When you find mercy at work in the world, you might find people doing kind acts to show that mercy, but if you keep peeling back the layers, you have to say that mercy ultimately comes from God. God is the originator of mercies. Wherever we see good things in the world and wherever we see mercy, it is because of God. There is no such thing as mercy without God. He's the Father, the originator, the source of mercy. And so here again, in talking to somebody, maybe you can point this out and even give an example of a time in your life that God comforted you. Because what you're trying to get the person to see is God can do that same thing in their life too, if they know Christ. Well, Paul goes on to point out here, we have comfort because of the nature and the character of God. Again, there would be no comfort in this world without him. Jesus said, in this world, you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Where do you turn for comfort? Do you turn to God or do you get bitter against God? Do you turn to other people always thinking that there's somebody, some person that you're going to find hope in? Do you turn to alcohol or drugs to try to escape reality? And so in a gospel conversation with somebody, you could stop here and talk about all the things that we see people in the world turning to for comfort. People are trying to grasp a hold of something that can give them comfort and peace and hope. And then ask them, where do you turn? And again, talk to them about how you learned to turn to God. He's the source of comfort. Secondly, when you suffer, you can have confidence in God for the sustaining of comfort. Read with me again verses 4 and 5. He says, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. 
For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. What does God do? He comforts us in all of our affliction. In verse 5, Paul's pointing out here that as we go through life, affliction is multiplied. Verse 5 says that uh, there's always going to be some ongoing things in life. The sufferings of Christ will be ours in abundance. What's he talking about? He's talking about the same rejection and suffering Christ faced as followers of Christ, we will face it too because the servant is not greater than the master. Jesus said in John 15, the world will hate you. The world will hate us because we identify with Christ and the world hated Christ. On top of that, we're faced with all other sufferings in life as well. Why do we suffer so much? You know, last fall, I did a sermon series on Sunday morning about the problem of evil and we talked about all the various reasons why there is suffering in the world. You might want to go back and, and review some of those reasons that we talked about. But look at Paul's testimony here in verse 8, how he suffered. He, he said he suffered more than he could take. He says in verse 8, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. He, he goes on to say here, they were burdened excessively. The, the picture is of a pack mule, for instance, that somebody has loaded down the pack mule with with weights on its back, that the weight is so heavy, it's, it's beyond, it's almost beyond what the animal is able to bear. The animal is about to collapse under the load. And Paul is describing himself that way, that he, he almost was at a point of collapse, all the points of trials and tribulations he went through. He says here, it was beyond our strength. I want you to notice that in the text. Paul was at the end of his rope. He says that he even despaired of life itself. He felt as though he had the sentence of death in himself. Folks, now, scholars are a little unsure what Paul might be exactly referring to. Paul said it happened while he was in Asia. It could be in Acts 14 when the Jews stoned Paul and drug him out of town, dragged him out of town, left him for dead. It could have been in Acts 19 when Demetrius stirred up the crowds at Ephesus against Paul because Paul was cutting into the idol-making business there. When Paul is proclaiming that idols are dead, there's no God but Jesus. That could have been the background of this. We really don't know, but what is clear in the text here is that Paul definitely had some experience in mind. It wasn't some false or made-up scenario. You know, Paul's countrymen often sought to put him to death. There were times Paul, the apostle Paul, was discouraged. He felt beat down. He felt depressed. 
But look at what he says he learned in the midst of that. He learned to depend upon God. Now, folks, that is a critical lesson that you and I learn through the hardships of life, to depend upon God. Paul points out that when he was weak to the point of being past going, he learned to depend upon God, and he learned God's sufficiency. What is God able to do? God is able to help us. He's able to deliver us. He is the God who even raises the dead. But along with suffering, whatever the reason for it, what else comes along? Paul says God's comfort comes along. God's comfort. Not only is affliction something that is ongoing, but God's comfort is multiplied and abundant through Christ. Folks, as long as God's children suffer, God is going to be right there with us to comfort us. Affliction will never outlast God's grace. God's grace and comfort will prevail. What Paul is pointing out is is that God's mercies to his children will never be lagging behind the uh, the trials that they face. For every hardship we face in abundance, there's also comfort from God that we will have in abundance as well. This is once again a great opportunity to point out that for those who belong to Christ, they're never alone as they face life's troubles. God is with them. What was Paul's testimony? That God delivered him and would continue to deliver him. And Paul is saying God will deliver you too. He says in verse 10, Therefore we set our eyes, we we fix our hope upon him. His comfort sustains us and it keeps on sustaining us. Now, notice something very important here. God's comfort comes to us how? It comes to us through Christ, verse 5 says. Folks, I want you to stop and think about that a moment. The blessings of God come to us through Christ. We have justification through Christ. We have reconciliation with God through Christ. We have peace with God through Christ. We have access to God through Christ. We have comfort from God through Christ. In other words, all of God's blessings come to us through Christ. And so this is an excellent time to point out that if somebody is outside of Christ, if they are not saved, then that means that they are also outside of the blessings of God. Now, they'll experience those blessings that are part of God's common grace. You know, the fact that he makes his His rain to fall on the just and the unjust, and His sun shines on the just and the unjust. But somebody outside of, of, of Christ is outside of those special blessings of God that are reserved for only God's children. And so again, this is an excellent time to point that fact out. 
Well, thirdly tonight, I want you to see, when you suffer, you can be confident in God to assist you in the sharing of comfort. The sharing of comfort. The truth of the matter is that God has us all in the seminary of life. He's training each of his children for ministry. We're all in training. God is using the experiences of your life as classroom training, as on-the-job training, if you will. As you live the Christian life, You'll have to discern the will of God. You'll have to make choices. You'll have to undergo trials. And in all of that, God's teaching you two things. To depend on Him, as we've already seen. But God is also training you to be able to help others. As you go through something, and God leads you, and God comforts you, it's so you can turn right around and be a blessing to somebody else who might be going through that same situation. Again, you can sort of stop right there and emphasize with the person you're witnessing to. You can say, you know, as we've seen in Paul's words here, God will be there to comfort you as his child, but God can also use you because of the fears and troubles you face. You can be a vessel in God's hands to help other people. Whatever it is right now that you're going through, if you're going through a tough time, is so that one day you'll be able to help somebody else. You see, folks, we're not to be like the Dead Sea. You know, the Dead Sea, the, the Jordan River and little tributaries run into it, but there's nowhere for the water to go. It just sits there. There's no outflow and so consequently, it just stagnates. It has a high mineral content and salt content. There's no life in the Dead Sea. You know, there are too many Dead Sea Christians. We receive all of God's blessings flowing into our lives, but there's no outlet. We don't share those blessings with anybody else. And so we become stagnant and complacent. Somebody's wisely said that God does not comfort us simply to make us comfortable, but to make us comforters. Well, verse 11 tells us how we can also help people. We can pray. Paul says, you also joining and helping us through your prayers. The word picture there is of a lot of people through prayer, through the avenue of prayer, helping to carry that load. Prayer is effective. When people are suffering, the prayers of the saints for that person are effective. And you know, that's, that's the privilege of being a part of a church family. We help each other through our prayers and through practical deeds. Now, look at what Paul says next happens. When a lot of people get involved in ministering to someone and praying for someone... And let's say God touches that person, he helps them. Uh, it's not just so that the person afflicted praises God, but everybody involved will praise God and give thanks to God. And so just as prayers abounded to God, now thanksgiving abounds to God. Well, let me close by giving you some lessons. 
Lesson number one, we certainly see here that Christians are not isolated from the problems of life. Everybody experiences problems. The difference is that we are insulated. We're not isolated from, but we're insulated in trials. We are kept by the power of God. God is able to keep us and he's able to comfort us. Second lesson, trials are an occasion to trust God. Trials are an occasion to trust God. When you're beyond your strength, rely on His strength. Don't don't despair. Depend upon the God of all comfort. And then a third lesson, what we learn from trials helps us in ministry to others. God helps us, strengthens us. He may not necessarily take the trial away from us, but he'll help us in the midst of it, and that way we can turn around and help others. And so again, there's wonderful truths in this passage for Christians. It's a passage written to believers, those who already know God through Christ, that they can know that God's also a God of comfort. But what I'm suggesting to you tonight, this is a wonderful passage to use also as an evangelistic tool. Because people are out there, they're hurting, they're fearful, they're anxious. And you can use a text like this to explain how God has comforted you. And you can sort of walk through some of these key truths in this text and help them to see that if they come to Christ, these promises can be for them as well. So think of a text like this. Again, not just the text that we normally associate with witnessing. Uh, We go through the book of Romans and what's referred to as the Roman road. Great text to use in witnessing. But we can use texts like this to use as a witnessing tool also. God bless you. We'll see you Sunday.